preparation is key. Whether it's inside the gym, looking for ourselves to train really hard for a competition coming up, or if you have a huge presentation, you have a high stakes, high pressure job, you need to be prepared. And the method that you go through to get prepared is all to avoid the performance anxiety as it pops up. At the moment of attack, there's no telling what type of chaos goes on and you need to be as cool as you possibly can be. That's why you train. Prepare. Do your mental reps and rehearsals so that no matter what happens, you can be ready. Can you imagine if your greatest accomplishments are only a moment away, but you keep stopping yourself because the strategies you have to reduce performance anxiety just ain't working for you? Well, let's get into it right here and talk about it on the show. Thanks for joining me. I'm Johan. This right here is Ego Killer, where we peel back another layer of the human condition in an effort to figure out what's going on underneath. We're putting synapses together, right? We're connecting neurons. We're trying to get into a space where all the places we share space with others is where we live, where we can exchange information and make ourselves better stewards of that information. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to another one. And like I said, and of course, you know how I like to do on this right here, where I'll give you maybe a story about something that happened in a fight gym. Maybe it's a sparring story about somebody that I know that I saw. Maybe I brushed elbows with a professional because I like to relate what goes on between the ears inside of fighting, inside the prism of fighting, right? inside of what goes down in a lot of fight gyms um, because I love it and it has been where I've learned a lot of the life lessons that have helped me grow as a person and where I know that other people have too and off top when I was thinking about this one I was trying to connect it to the whole Francis thing and how um, I made the connection that Francis did amazing work beating Tyson Fury morally even though he didn't win you know, definitively, he won because he did, he jumped over all types of hurdles, he knocked down all types of barriers, and he redefined success, built his own non-monetary wealth, and took home a decent-sized bag for it by stepping up in there with the heavyweight champion and actually getting a knockdown, right? Remember the movie The Fighter, right? Remember that? Remember the movie The Fighter? The whole movie of The Fighter was based around um, Christian Bale's character, Dick Eklund, and his brother is Mickey Ward. And we remember that before we find out that spoiler alert, spoiler alert, right? Before we find out that Dick Eglin, uh, uh, Christian Bale's character is a crackhead, essentially. Um, <laughs> uh, fire to the spoon, put you on the moon. Before we find out that he's doing dope, uh, we learn that he's an ex-boxer. And he's training his brother, Mickey Ward, Marky Mark, right? Mark Wahlberg. We learned that the whole claim to fame was that he knocked down Sugar Ray Leonard in a fight. Imagine that, right? In the early, in the late 70s, he knocked down the America's sweetheart boxer in the ring. Never amounted to anything professionally as a boxer, although I would argue that getting to that level is an accomplishment in and of itself. You're of the 1%. But he managed to knock down America's sweetheart, right? He did what so few people had actually done against a legendary fighter. So if you did that, imagine what would happen. How many stories would you tell if you like got up in the ring with a professional fighter and you took them down 
and around. I've seen it. I've seen I've seen behind the scenes footage of men that will remain nameless who got schooled inside the cage, inside the ring by homies of mine. And um I've seen the video, I've seen the proof. And uh yeah, that's that's something that you do tell certain people. You don't want that to get out. But Francis actually did that in real life. We find out in the movie The Fighter that Dick Eklund like kind of stepped on Sugar Ray's foot. So he really get that work. Right? He kind of shoved him. Right? It's kind of like, you know, an accident. But Francis did that in real life. And so it got me thinking about how you guys as performers inside of your job on a daily when you have to give these big presentations. Maybe you have to take a full day trip with your team and you guys are going to give presentations or maybe you're trying to go up and ask for a raise right you're just getting ready for that moment and i thought about over the years how many times i've talked to you guys and that becomes your sticking point that you're not even able to get to the point where making that continental shift in your ideology gives you the opportunity to ask for the raise you're too afraid to do it you think where you're at is okay (laughs) That's all bad, right? And we want to make sure that you're steady climbing, right? We want to make sure that we're always killing the ego. That's why I'm here talking with you guys because that should never happen. You should never placate the weaker part of your ego that says you've already done enough. You shouldn't be asking for more. Your desires are irrational. Shut your ass up. Don't ask for more, right? We all have that part of our ego that does it. And so I got to thinking about it. And off top, I remember the last time that I was inside of a ring and I was walking up. Um, it was with my, I had a team. I was training with a team and then there was a competition. And I remember I went up and I was walking out of the back and I took a look around and it was a decent amount of people in there and everyone was buzzing, right? Everyone was buzzing. We were in the backstage kicking, kicking pads, me and my coach and the second. The second is just the dude that's going to spray water down your throat with one of those curved neck water bottles. And he's going to also, he or she's going to slide that stool underneath you, right? Very tough work. Let me tell you something. That stool tosser, you get a good stool tosser, changes the fight. (laughs) Anyway, um, someone's going to toss a stool underneath you. That's the second. I finally it's my turn and I remember I was warmed up ready to go and I'm standing in the aisle and they're about to call my name and it's one of the most thrilling things in the world when an announcer calls your name to a group of people it's the best I suggest everybody do it right if you can hire <laughs> hire some fool the next time you have like a I don't know you invite you know some of your close couple friends like you're having like a date night or something or a game night like, just, like, have somebody or have, like, a, there should be an app. Because, it's uh, look, it's one of the most euphoric things in the world. Anyhow, about to call my name, and I just let out an audible, loud whoosh right before I went out there. And that was basically my imperfect way of summoning a direction and channeling a direction for all of that pent-up adrenaline that had nowhere to go. All right, it would have been warming up, didn't leave my body yet. 
I was kicking pads, didn't leave my body yet. Then I got to, everyone's buzzing around, looking around. Some people are sitting, some people are standing. Others are in seats, others are on the floor. The ring is empty and you know that's where you're going to be either kicking some ass or getting it handed back to you. Then they call your name and I just had nowhere to let it out and I just said, whoosh, and it actually worked. And after that, I started mentally rehearsing what I was going to do. Almost broke my foot. But the result was positive. I, I actually set out to accomplish what I wanted to that day. But fast forward an hour and a half later, and I'm, I mean, I'm on multiple painkillers, right? Because, again, I, th- I thought I had broke my foot. And I was standing there with another member of my team. I think about three of us had competition that day. And so he's about to fight. And he's like a taciturn, big dude, big Filipino dude. He was probably about 41, 42 years old and coolest dude from the gym, like real chill, vibey guy. And he he looks to me, he looks over at me and he goes, hey, man, I'm nervous. Already I'm like, yo, I've never heard him talk with that level of, with that <laughs> A level of excitement, and he's this is animated. This is like too much. This is a lot of emotion from old boy right here. I can't. Whoa, 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 hold up. Who said that? Right. So I just go. All right, I know. Just wait. Right when you get to the part where coach is gonna walk you through the aisle, just mash your gloves together and let out a yell. Just yell as loud as you can. It's so loud in here, no one's gonna hear you, and it helps. And he looked at me. Right. Remember, I'm like 10 years younger than him. And and he's like, all right, I'll try that. And he's a low key guy. So I couldn't imagine him yelling. And he did it. I heard him. I was watching him. Heard it, let it out. Big, deep breath. And he went out here and did his thing. Um, performance anxiety. It is enough to keep you encapsulated and a prisoner of the moment that never hasn't even occurred yet. And so how do we get to the point where action becomes the norm and inaction is abnormal inside of our life because a lot of times you guys are pent up and butt up against that feeling of inaction. And that keeps you in a holding pattern to where we're never actually going up and demanding the raise, right? We're not going to the landlord and saying, my living conditions need to be made whole. We're not going up to our friends and saying, we need to have a sit down Because the homie, you kind of messed me up with him or her and da-da-da. There's a lot we can do to perform. Not just when the stakes are most high, but when we feel that we need to make a change inside of our life. This is why coming to the gym is so good, right? This is why we use the gym as our long sofa. This becomes the Petri dish. The litmus for how we're supposed to respond when we feel that our perceived limits have run their total course to save us from poor moves when we're not inside the gym, to understand how we react when we're under duress, when we're under feats of stress. The obstacles that we throw up, they're all found treasures next to the rubber and steel inside the gym. But if you can't get into the gym, you can practice. 
right? So we're going to touch on some of these relaxation techniques right quick, right? We're going to talk about how sports-related anxiety is an intense fear or worry about how competition is going to turn out for athletes, right? Increased heart rate, we see sweatiness, shaking, the quietest man in the room telling telling his teammate that he's nervous, like what? <laughs> right? It could be any number of those things that lead to underachievement or failure to meet expectations. And before we get into it, tell me below in the comments, right? There's a comment section in the Spotify version of this show right there and i'll put the question in manually what do you think about expectations for yourself are they high are they low do you think having expectations is a quality thing or not because part of getting to the point in your life that you're supposed to be out here killing the ego i'm going to tell you straight up friends this is what you come to Ego Killer for, right? This is why you listen to me go on about the process for letting the ego kind of drift away by itself while you stand there the person that you're supposed to be. Part of it is understanding this another fundamental fact about the ego, which is it will throw up expectations in a um, kind of MO, right? Your ego is the part of you that is highly judged, highly safe, doesn't take risk because we are here now and that's good enough. Never ask for more. That's that part of us. It's reinforced through judgment, right? It's reinforced through anxiety at performance time, all of these things. One of the ways that the ego loves to prevent you from making moves is to reinforce the idea of expectation. That's it. So expectation has to be let go. Has to be let go, right? It has to be let go. Like, you got to lower your expectations. Some of the worst, best advice I ever received in parts of my life where I'm over here thinking like, yo, here's what it is, right? I used to have perfect, uh, high expectations Right. Um, about, you know, the type of friends that I should have. Right. Maybe you go out with friends and they're talking to women. If they're single, you're out on the scene and you have you want to talk to the baddest, best looking woman. Right. It's like, you no, know, lower your expectations. You perfectionist, you fool, because you're not going to get anywhere boxing everybody in because you're boxing yourself in with those expectations. Right. We perform best without expectations when the specter of the ego is not allowed to be placated all right so we have to be able to look at that and that's really what the ego is out here doing it's the ego's job at the point of competition or right before competition or right before presentation right it's the ego's job to prevent you from taking risks from doing, repeating the process that you just went through, from setting the bar, the standard for yourself ever more higher such that a success in this regard is never really unearthed because our perfectionism guised, disguised as the ego has taught us that we can only accept an A plus other 
wise, what we have done is failed. We failed to meet our impossibly high expectations and all failure is the same failure. As a result, who wants to repeat failure? Do you if you mess up at something, right? I mean, let's say you try to build one of these 5000 piece car models or something like that, right? And you break out the cement glue and you break out all those enamel paints right there and you give yourself a carbon monoxide headache cuz you ain't even forgot to open the window, but you're at it, you're going to get this thing built, right? You're building like a 6 to 72 um, Impala or something. I'm trying to think of the, I used to build some of these and you're, you and, and you know, you, you oh, there's too many pieces left over. I didn't do it right. That, that's perfect. That sounds like perfectionism. Are you going to try to do it again? If you left, you put the door on backwards or something. Do you, does that make you want to do it again? The answer should be yes. But, but think about the scale of failure. Right, one minute it's just oops, I accidentally glued the door in this proverbial sequence upside down. What if the stakes were a lot higher? What if the stakes were not just building a model car, but you were building a project, a project that you wanted to give to somebody else, or maybe something that you were trying to build? It's like a bookcase you're building out of wood or something like this. And instead of making that thing perfect, you kind of mess it up. And in the process of messing it up, you declare to yourself that you failed in doing it all together. You going to try to do that again? You might say yes. And I know that after killing the ego, right, or even maybe listening to this and a bunch of other podcasts and episodes, you have within you the resolve building on to the aplomb of a person, of a man, of a strong woman that says yes. Resiliency is the name of the game. It's the way of the walk. I'm able to do that and get back in the game. Try again. Recount where I messed up and just don't do that. Again, it's just that simple. It's just that simple. It's just that simple that the first time that you failed to maybe make the best connection you could behind your team project, maybe presentation didn't go so well, it is in your best interest to simply try again, to just do it again. You haven't had luck losing weight. You tried everything you could at this point. You tried dieting. Try it again. No, don't try it again. <laughs> try something else, but don't stop the process of losing weight. Keep hammering away at it. The point is to take a simple L. Don't take no L, first off, right? But when you, when you do... Just try again. It's only that simple. It sounds even ridiculously puerile and kind of jejun for me to sit here and just say that. But I want you guys to know that 99% of the time, it's simply a matter of doing it over again. Just do it again instead of raising up all of the objections. Because when we're too in our ego, right? When we're too in our ego, perfectionism takes over and raises the stakes and simple mistakes are magnified to the nth power the nadir of a project becomes too much to handle you end up flipping the whole thing and you never get back on and that's that's not the moves that's not the way of the walk right thinking about meditation and being hella mindful right be hella mindful as you can in general. That's why I always like to talk about the idea of meditation, the idea of breath of fire, because what this does, it actually teaches us to remain as calm as possible. 
remaining as calm as possible, right? If you ever go on YouTube and watch some of these Thais fight or train, better yet, inside of Muay Thai, 90% of the time, or I don't know, I'm, I'm cool off the percentages. Everything's 90 or 92%, but whatever. Most of the time that you guys see them training, they're having fun. They're messing around, but they're doing everything with crisp technique. That We talked about that neuroplasticity allowing the play around. You're playing around. You're just messing around. If you're kidding around, how do you mess up when you're kidding around? I'll just playing. Try it again. Oh, that low kick didn't land. I was just messing around anyway. Let me let me let me get a couple more cracks at it. You know? That's why I never take myself too seriously at all ever. Because it gives me the space and I want you guys to always have the space to play around. Playing around keeps you calm. When you're calm, you have a sense of mindfulness, right? You're listening to your body's reaction to something. When that happens, you can kind of see what you need to adjust on. I, I've been in a couple places where I've given loud speeches, like speeches in, in loud um, um, auditoriums. And that's one thing I wish I employed was just taking my time and shortening up my speech because it was way too loud to give all the information that I wanted to give. For example, it pays. Mental rehearsal and visualization matter quite a bit, right? This is what you guys call shadow boxing. That's why I always tell you shadow boxing. I had a boxing coach a really long time ago that said that's one of the most important parts of boxing and that that's one thing that you should always be practicing every day. And when I give people homework to shadow box, it might seem ridiculous, but we're really in our bag with that process motivation. Teaching your body to accept process. Teaching your brain to accept repetition. So go and shadow box. Hey, if you ever feel tight, go and shadow box. Right? You look at the bus stop right now, someone's shadow boxing right now. They're mentally rehearsing, not getting their stuff taken. <laughs> shadow boxing. Shadow box the mind. Shadow box the mind. Shadow box your way through a presentation. Prepare. Right? Prepare for all movement. Right? Prepare your body in space with no adversary near you because that tends to tighten you up, right? You have to be tough to hit a heavy bag. You have to be tough when you're in there with sparring. You got to be active. You got to have that damn hands up when some fool's trying to knock your head off, right? When some lady's trying to knock your head off in the boxing gym, in the kickboxing gym, when you're doing that sparring, when you're doing that drilling, even if you guys are playing around. You don't want to take... Too many L's. You want to learn. You want to manage your distance. Getting your hands up. All of these things matter both proverbially inside of the fight world, but also externally when we think about how we're going to perform as high performers in high-stress jobs where a series of processes is important. Giving yourself space. Mentally, guys, mentally, fam, shadow box. You know what I mean? Rehearse, rehearse. Because that's all shadow boxing actually is. It's, it's just there's so many possibilities, right, when you're talking about fighting, that shadow boxing is key. I told you about my guy, um, Bobby. I went to go train with this guy many years ago, and he's a boxing coach. And for the first two weeks, I don't think I threw him. I didn't hit anything for the first two weeks. I didn't hit. He just had me basically shadow boxing. My legs were sore, though. 
So, it shit works. And and last, just accepting the thoughts that do come in and having empathy for self. Creating self-compassion is hyper important. All right, to help you dissolve the ego and give you a sense that failure just really isn't in the equation, right? When failure is perceived as a threat to your self-worth, ego amplifies it, all right? Negative consequences, not really a thing. We just think about learning. Being judged by others heightens the fear of negative social evaluation. The constant comparison with others, we seek validation. If we're looking for a flawless image, all right, we're not doing it right. We're looking to be chalk like flawless, Right, you walk into the gym, you expect to throw all the weight around, you walk in, dress to the night. Look, and no one's not saying that you ain't get you're not styling. Right? You got the uh you got the hair, you got the coat, you looking sharp at work. Nobody's saying you don't look sharp. But remember you do it for your betterment. When minute we start looking for outside appraisal and we're giving some type of presentation that day, or we're supposed to be moving big stuff that day, maybe We've gone a little bit in the wrong ego direction. So just remember, fam, that the takeaways, all right? Take these away with you. Perfectionism, not really sustainable. Unsustainable, right? Unsustainable. Like diesel trucks, unsustainable for the environment, the environment of your lifestyle. It just is, right? And at its fever pitches, perfectionism, when it's not just you, but it is in the purview of other people. Maybe you're in the midst of someone who is a high-level perfectionist. They call those sometimes type A. What happens? Ain't no pleasing them ever, ever, ever. So that can suck the oxygen out of the room. We can see this secondhand. So it is important to self-evaluate and see, are we being too rigid? All right. That rigid thinking is never, ever the move at all. Thinking about if we're trying to impress too much. Also, better to think I'm doing the thing for myself and my betterment. All right. So keep writing those goals down because I feel like that cures a lot of these issues. And when you get to the point of no return, remember to look inward for the answers because they are all there. All right. They are all there. Believe me when I say it. Try these out. Let me know how it goes in the comments. And until the next one, stay all the way up.